I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Today's show is brought to you by Strike Club, a low-maintenance, simple skincare line for boys. My guys use Strike Club ever since we were first sent a sample. And let me tell you, we've been sent samples of things before, and they have collected dust. They've not been used. They used the Strike Club face wash. They used the Strike Club body wash. I have since reordered, and it's almost gone again. That's a testimony. That's truth. That's my boys actually using products that can help their skin. And you know what? Their skin is clearer than it was before. You can try Strike Club as well. Your boys can. Go to strikeclub.com, S-T-R-Y-K-E club.com, and use our discount code on boys and save 10%. It's strikeclub.com, discount code on boys. How can we help our boys grow into healthy men? That is a key question that we tackle here on On Boys, and it is a key concern for today's guest as well. Joining us today is Ted Bunch. He is the Chief Development Officer of A Call to Men, which is a violence prevention organization that grapples with male socialization and its intersection with violence. Ted is also a former director and co-creator of the largest program for domestic violence offenders in America, co-author of the Live Respect curriculum, which is designed to prevent violence and bullying in schools and sports, and he is an advisor to the NBA. He's also worked with the NFL, the NHL, the MLS, and MLB, and he was in the CBSN documentary Raising Boys alongside yours truly, Jennifer Fink. Ted, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jennifer. Nice to be here. Thank you so much. In your opinion, you've been working in the space for quite a while. 
what are the biggest challenges that boys face today on the road to becoming healthy men? That's a great question. And, you know, our boys are facing a lot of challenges today. And I think the biggest challenge is really allowing our boys to be their authentic selves, allowing them to show us and say to us, demonstrate to us who they really are and not as a parent or as a society try to shape who we feel like they should become, but to allow them to kind of blossom, to really show who they are. So I think that's one of the greatest challenges. We've coined the term way back in the mid 90s, the man box. And that's really a, a short version, an abbreviated version of what we would call the collective socialization of manhood or male socialization. And that socialization really is something we continue to pass down to our boys and we expect them to adhere to. And some of those, those notions of manhood, the rigid notions of manhood that are just not healthy, not only for women and girls and those who don't conform to gender at all, but for men and boys as well. Push our boys so that they don't express their feelings by telling them things like don't cry, right? And when we tell them not to cry, we're also telling them not to feel because they don't know the difference. They're just told to shut it down. And we tell them that in so many ways, you know, man up. I don't want to hear all that. Uh, I'll give you something to cry about. How many, how many kids, you know, when, I'm, when I ask men what are things they've told their boys to stop them from crying, some will say, I've told them I'll give you something to cry about. And, you know, a little perspiration gets on the top of my head when I hear that because I remember hearing that also, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because it just gets passed down from one generation to the next generation. Now, we're doing this with the best of intentions, thinking that we're raising our boys to be successful. But the, the construct that we're raising them to be successful in is one that's just wrong. It's one that really focuses on men being emotionless, men not asking for help, therefore boys not asking for help, right? And so we push our boys beyond their feelings to aggression, and then they see that reflected back to them in lyrics of music, in video games, in pornography. You know, it's, it's reported that about, about 80% of all fifth graders have already seen pornography. Yeah. Fifth graders, context. We're talking like 11 years old. Yes. Yeah. And they're seeing, it isn't the pornography that I saw with my uncle's magazine between his, you know, mattress, right? <laughs> right. That, that, that looked like Victoria's Secrets in the mall today. Exactly. Yeah, they're seeing extreme violence, denigration, abuse, misogyny, totally con disconnected from any sort of passion or love. It's just awful. And it's so easy. And as parents, I know that that's your that's your demographic. And I'm a, I'm a parent also. And I've put all kinds of parental controls on my kids, phones, television, so forth. But guess what? They've all seen it because they're yeah. at Johnny's house. And I remember um, my kids, I wouldn't let them play Call of Duty till they were, you know, like 16. By the time I got them the game at 16, <laughs> they put it in and they're pros. Yeah, yeah. surprise. <laughs> What's so hard and frustrating for me as a parent who is actively in this today, I am trying to raise boys in this culture because of the work I do. I ran across the term, the man box years ago and janet and i use it all the time oh, on this good, on good. this show mm -hmm. and i see it and i can see these things that we do reflexively to our kids we as parents so often find ourselves spouting off those things that were said to us like i'll give you something to cry about mm -hmm. so i know all that 
and I want to do things different and I want things to be different for my boys. I want it to be safe for them to express their full authentic selves, but society hasn't fully come along with this yet. So we've got teenagers who are living this reality and younger boys where they are, you know, grappling for status and a lot of times being the stereotypical guy is the way they get it. Yeah, and this is an important point that you bring up because we raise our kids, what they get from us at home, right, is values, respect, hopefully they're being taught respect, how to respect others, all of those things. So they have the answers in their head. But when they're around other boys because of this man box and how this man box dictates, it's very hard to assert yourself when you see something wrong. There may be a boy who, again, is not intentionally trying to harm girls or women, but he, or to be a bully, to be uh, someone who treats uh, someone who, a classmate, for instance, or a kid in, another kid in the community who's maybe uh, um, questioning his sexuality or a member of the LGBTQ transgender nonconforming community and teasing him about that right this is all this is just ignorance that people are responding to right so our kids you know i want to believe if they knew better they would do better and i and i and i see that we 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 see that in our curriculum we see that with men also we just don't know better right because we're just on this remote control so we as parents we share with our children and i want to say this specifically to moms but fathers who might be listening is that we don't have the conversations as men to our boys that we need to have. We leave a lot of things as a given. He's my kid, he's around me all the time, he's in this family, we show everybody love, he's gonna present that out to the world as well. So we don't even have conversations as men, right, about consent, Mm -hmm. because we expect that our boys are gonna be respectful toward girls, right? We don't have that conversation about consent. The only thing, most, most fathers who are listening right now, the conversations they have with their boys about consent is wear a condom, protect yourself, right? Now, we know this to be true. We've always known it to be true, but we have a curriculum called Live Respect, Coaching Healthy Respectful Manhood that's in middle schools and high schools around the country. There's a version of it in the UK, and then there's the current version also in Kenya. And we wrote this with Scholastic. So it's very oh, sure. educationally friendly. It's doing really well. It's excellent, right? Awesome. It talks about gender uh, equity, gender equality, social norms around respect and gender, boundaries, sexual uh, harassment in schools. It happens, uh, f- 50% of all high school girls have already experienced sexual harassment in schools. I've had girls say, well, when I go through the hallway, when I, excuse me, when I go through the staircase and the boys are hanging out, it's like going through a construction site for adult women. Wow. And where do these boys learn this from? They learn it from us. And most of us are good men doing the right thing. So I just want to go back to the issue of consent. We ask boys, hundreds of boys around the country, great kids, boys in your community and in my community, mm-hmm. right? A very diverse sample. We wanted to be intentional about the diversity of the sample. We went from affluent white communities in California to indigenous communities on First Nation reservations in Minnesota. Black communities, brown communities. Uh, Creative arts schools, religious schools. One of the questions we asked was, can you define consent? Only 19% of our boys could define consent. 
So eight out of 10 could not. Wow. Which explains sexual assault in the military, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sexual assault on college campuses, why girls and women between 16 and 24 are at the highest rate of being sexually assaulted, because our boys think no means try harder or get her drunk, or she doesn't really mean it, or she didn't say, she didn't say no, but she didn't say yes, right? And so we teach our boys that after the curriculum, and it's only a nine-week lesson plan, and only one of those focuses on consent, what's interesting is that number jumped from 19 to 75% could define consent. Nice. And I know that we've prevented sexual assault in that 19 to 75% jump, because boys know, oh, she didn't say she didn't say no, but her body stiffened up. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't say no, but she wasn't enthusiastic. Right yeah. now, mind you, we took we talked to the boys about abstinence is something that we really encourage them. That it's really this is a really you're, you're at a young time in your life to be making these decisions, right? So I want the parents to, to understand that we promote abstinence, but it's 2020. They seen pornography in fifth grade. Right. You know what? Realistic here. Yeah. Even in 1973 and 1993, like these boys' parents, come on. If you weren't having sex in high school, you knew exactly. somebody who was. Exactly. So it's not new. Exactly. And so this has been so successful in high schools. Originally, when we did the curriculum, we wrote it. We, we had a little um, qualification in the curriculum that was for middle schools. Hey, you may not want to do this consent lesson. Instead, you can use just, you know, let's talk about boundaries. And many of the schools said, oh no, our seventh graders are sexually active. Mm -hmm. You find them under the staircase giving oral sex, Mm -hmm. right? So we also asked our boys, those same boys, if you are having sex with with a girl, or anybody for that matter yes thank you thank you or anybody for that matter and that person wants to stop can they and we asked boys specifically around girls for this one right but i agree with your point absolutely because i don't want it to be a heteronormative conversation right very important we asked them and they said 41 percent no said no she can't where do they get that from yeah where as a woman i want to pound my my head like and I've been in those situations as a female. Janet, you probably have as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so back to dads, we have to actually have the conversations with our boys. We're real clear about having conversations with our daughters about sex. We're yeah. very clear about that. You know, if I ask a group of dads, and even if I have women in the room and I ask them to, to, to play the role of dad and I ask them, okay, when should your daughters have sex? You all know what the answer is. Never. We've never talked about it, but we know the answer, right? Never. When I ask them, when should your sons have sex? It's quiet in the room. Men are saying, hmm, let me see. He's going to college as a virgin and dad's scratching his head a little bit. What's going on with my son? So we can't have it both ways. So when back to your original point around teaching our own boys, when even though they may know the answer, we sit down and say, okay, do you know how to respect the girl? Yes, dad, of course I do. We go through that, right? They're trying to get through the conversation, but then they're around boys who, who might see a girl in a position of vulnerability or might see a girl that they can take advantage of, right? And they're not doing it because they're bad kids. They're doing it because they don't know better, right? I really want to make that clear. It's not like they're going to look for one, but they see one at a, at a party at college. Mm-hmm. Right. She's drunk on the couch, right? So 
a boy takes her upstairs, comes back down, rapes her. He'd say he's having sex with her, but it's rape, of course. Goes back down to his buddy, John. And John is afraid to not go up because he doesn't want to be outside of that man box, right? Which teaches yeah. all boys that girls have less value than, than boys. Men and women have less value than girls. That women are the property of men on some level. If, I, if any of your listeners, I'm in your community and I see a man hitting his wife or girlfriend on the street right now and I walk over to him and say, knock it off, he says what to me? Mind your business. Yeah. Mind your business. Three women a day are killed in the United States from domestic violence. 75% of them right now, we lose more women to domestic violence every day than we lose soldiers in the conflicts around the world. That we're, and we don't, I don't want us to lose soldiers, but that's how serious it is that we don't lose three soldiers a day. And right. out of those three women, 75% of them are murdered once she says, I'm leaving or yep. has left, which <laughs> says, speaks to the issue of property. That man's belief is that if I can't have you, nobody can have you. You don't even belong to yourself. You belong to me. And I'm going to demonstrate that. So we have to have conversations as dads with our boys, like real conversations, and walk them through what consent is, right? Um, how to respect other um, women and other people if you're in any kind of relationship. Um, and I do appreciate you bringing that up also because uh, my youngest son came out two years ago. He's, well, three years now. He's, he's going to be 18 this, this month, next month. And uh, he came out at 15. And it's, it's taught me so much about the experience mm -hmm. of, uh, of our youth, especially. So we really have to have conversations as men about this issue around consent, respect for girls. And by the way, when I've had these conversations with my sons, it's always around... And if you're with a partner, and I, was, I think about my oldest son, he's 22 now. Mine too. Oh, okay. When he was uh, starting to date at about 16, and I, and, I, and I talked to him all the time about consent. We are going to pause for a moment in this fascinating conversation about consent, and soon we'll hear how our guest speaks to his own son about consent taking a pause now for this message from Strike Club. Jen, I know your boys have been using this product for a few months now, mm -hmm. and you have noticed, number one, the bottle getting empty. You've yep. had to reorder. And number two, that their skin is clearer. I have noticed that. And I will admit to also having used their face wash periodically as well, because it was there, it was on the counter, and I wanted to try it out. Strike Club face wash and their body wash, I've tried that too. Clean, very clean rinsing. It just feels good, easy to use, pleasant smell. It's not overly boy smelling, so mom can't use it in the shower too, but it's certainly not flowery or girly smelling either. My guys love this stuff, and I know that because they're actually using it. And it sounds simple to use. There's not a lot of steps. So put it in there in the shower with your boys and watch it disappear. It's the best part. If you buy a bottle of Strike Club body wash, which can be used on the face and on the body and put it in the shower, it will get used. I promise you. So you can use a 10% discount code, use on boys, and go to strikeclub.com to order, S-T-R-Y-K-E club.com, and get 10% off. What's better than that? 
And now let's hear how Ted talks to his son about consent. Well, okay, son, we're gonna have a conversation. It might be when we're just driving, um, my eyes are on the road. He might be in the passenger seat or in the back seat and say, hey, you know how things go and blah, blah, blah. Oh, have you blah, 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 right? So it's not this threatening kind of, oh my God, we're having a serious conversation. Right, the um, talk. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on By Heart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. By Heart is also the only U.S. made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider ByHeart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at ByHeart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. ByHeart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A 
dot com slash on boys. Winona, menopause care made easy. But I also said to him, if and he, he's involved with a woman, unlike my youngest son, who's who dates boys, if she is further along or wants to experience more than you do, and you're not ready for that, that's okay. I want you to say, no, I'm not ready for that. That's not comfortable for me. Let's wait. Like, that's really important because boys don't feel like they can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They feel like they have to do something and they have to perform that it's required. And if they don't, they've fallen short of this manhood, the man box, that collective socialization of man- manhood. But that other thing that we've been taught uh, to our boys and we, and we reinforce as men around not only less value for women and girls, property of men, but also that women and girls are sexual objects and we're supposed to always treat them that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is reinforced, as you said, by pornography, by the media, by the music that they're listening to. Yes. And Ted, you're talking a lot about what dads ought to say to their sons. And yet I believe that our dads haven't had they didn't grow up with a curriculum like live respect. So, and I talk about this often of our dads now being at this crossroads of we're trying to have this greater consciousness and awareness. And yet they likely did not get it from their fathers. And so they're kind of (laughs) pool of, okay, I think I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not really sure what to say or how to say it. What would you say to those dads who are feeling a little lost in knowing they should have this conversation, but also being really uncomfortable with it? I just also want to add in that in a lot of cases, that's almost the best case scenario because there are also still a lot of dads who haven't wrestled with their own stuff who don't even realize that a lot of what they believe and frankly, even how they interact with other people is really role modeling the exact kinds of things we don't really want our boys doing. So how do we solve that, Ted? Oh, those are two really great questions. I'm gonna take the latter first where, where it seems that men don't care. I don't, know or, if it's, I don't know if I'm really saying they don't care. I think they may not be aware. I know of a dad who is now, you know, in middle age, has teenage boys. I happen to know the dad's history is that he had very early sexual experience that to this day, he won't tell you it was unwanted, but yet he was way too young to, to consent in any meaningful oh, way, which has affected his whole life and attitudes. Oh, sure. Okay. But hasn't dealt with any of that. I see what you're saying. I stand corrected. Okay, I, 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 I misheard. Okay. That brought up a couple things. One is that statistics show that one in six men have had unwanted sexual experiences as a child. So molestation, rape, sodomy, right? That happened to men, mm-hmm. right? So the statistics are, of course, much higher with girls, but that happened, well, it, it, it happened with boys, but there are men now reporting that, right? Mm-hmm. Thousands and thousands of cases. So it's rampant and we don't talk about it because all the shame around those things just in general. But then when you add the layer of this masculinity that we're supposed to live up to and how we're never supposed to be vulnerable and we're not even supposed to show any kind of emotion around things, how that closes men off even more. So you have these men who are um, in pain 
and uh, hurt and have never had an outlet for that, right? So I just want to acknowledge that, that that's something that's real and, and terrible. And even there, though, most of those perpetrators are men. So it really gets back to us, no matter how we slice it, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that there's, there's men who also, and you said he had sons. When fathers have daughters, we become, there's something that changes for us around our perspective of women and girls, right? We start to say, oh, this, I need to care a little bit more. I need to pay more attention. But even there, we're only paying attention to the girls and women in our life. Mm. Not having the same value with those women who are not connected to us, right? That's part of that collective socialization. I'm supposed that to property protect. thing. Yes, right. I'm supposed to protect everything that's mine. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, she doesn't have anyone to protect her. Well, that's not my fault. You uh-huh. know, I'm protecting what's mine. So it's absolutely the property thing. We continue to uh, have challenges around that. And the other question just around that conversation with, uh, with our boys, that awkwardness, it's so awkward as dads because we don't have the language. We don't know how to talk to these kids because no one talked to us. So yeah. we'll say, okay, you know, the wife or girlfriend will say, are you going to have the conversation with John, you know, to a dad? Okay, I'll have the conversation. We sit down with John. Okay, John, uh, so you're dating now. Uh, are you wearing a condom? Uh, are you having sex? Okay, good talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right. So we don't even have the we don't have the word for it. Even now in 2020, post Me Too, everything has shifted for men. It's an exciting time for men. It doesn't feel like that for some men. We don't have our footing. We're the first generation of men having to deal with this. We're the first generation of men uh, having to be held accountable for things that men have always gotten away with. Mm -hmm. So. We don't have the language, we don't have the footing, and of course, men's trying to lead the way in that, with, especially around language, and that it's not women gaining equity, equality, respect, value, does not take away from men. It actually adds to our humanity. There's still the practical aspect of how do, how do we reach the dads, and I know you're doing work in that area, and it's so important, and we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. We do. We do. We're getting. We're. I. I really hope that we're getting there, though, because this has been a great time of reflection for men, forced reflection for some. Mm-hmm. But there's not a man that exists that I've met, and I've done a lot of work in high schools, colleges, professional sports, military, law enforcement, corporate America. There's not a man who hasn't either sexually objectified a woman, done something or said something, or witnessed another man doing something, saying something, and did nothing about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can feel pretty confident in that because one of the ways we prove that we're men is to objectify women. That's one exactly. of the ways we pass the test. And if we don't pass it, we're humiliated and punished for it and called less of a man for it. You know, with your, with your, with your audience, I think about, you know, our high school boys. You know, if there's, a first, if, there's a, if there's a young man, let's say he's a great kid, a junior in the high school in your community, wonderful young man, uh, very well respected in the community, treats everyone well, you know, even looked up to in the community. And he takes a young woman out who's also, let's say, a junior. They go to the movie on a Friday night. And his name's John and her name's Kathy. And John, before he takes Kathy out to the movie, gets on a group text with a few of his buddies and says, hey, guys, I'll hit you up later. I'm going to 
take mm-hmm. Kathy out to the movie, right? And, the, and you know, his buddies will give him a little bit of crap for that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you all can't see me right now, but I'm over here, like, nodding my head and cringing because I have a high school junior, uh-huh. and this is all too real. Like, yeah. you can have a kid who's got the best values and the best intention, yeah. but that pressure is yes, intense. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So he goes to the movies with Kathy, takes her home, as your son would, perfect gentleman. I'm hoping. <laughs> he gets back on the group text and says, hey, I'm back. Is the first thing they're asking him is, how was the movie? No. Of course not. Where do they learn that from? Like, yeah. where does that come from? That's the collective source. So they're getting these messages everywhere. That, And then if your son or John happens to say, I just want to get to know her. I don't, I'm not trying to get anything from her. Or I'm not trying to have her put out or anything like that. They'll say some things about that. Now, I want to clarify or, or emphasize that that young man who took Kathy out and those other boys on the group text are not bad kids trying to harm yeah. a girl. But here we are, and women and girls have the potential of being harmed because of how we teach our boys to be men. And that's where we have to interrupt. So we as men have to be different and we have to talk differently and we have to impact culture with culture. The movies, the games, the music, all of those things have to be reflected of healthy, respectful behavior. You know what, while we have you here, you mentioned culture and the role of culture. You've worked with sports a lot. As we are recording this, it is a few days after Kobe Bryant was killed in a helicopter crash. Mm-hmm. And this has been a challenging topic for a lot of parents and a lot of people to wrestle with many 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 people admire kobe and admired his relationship with his family and his work ethic and i think all of those things are admirable now my children were not even alive when the rape allegation was in the news so a lot of our kids didn't know that are seeing it in the news now boys are wrestling with things like well so you do one thing wrong and should that define you how do we talk to our kids about these complicated issues yeah this is really a interesting time and challenge so this is a really challenging time uh this conversation is really it's very it's very nuanced Mm, right it's very nuanced conversation and more than one thing can be true at the same time i want to repeat that because that is so important to the work that we do as parents teachers coaches humans More than one thing can be true at the same time. And we have to make room for all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this is such a tragic, unbelievably tragic circumstance with the death of, I think it was nine people, right? And all of them, all of them as important as the next. Yes. It's so, so sad. And, and I just think about the families and what they must be going through. I just, I can't imagine. I don't even want to. I didn't turn on the television mm-hmm. that next day because it was just, it was just, I just didn't, it was just too much. Mm-hmm. And every parent who's heard about it imagines those moments. And it's, yeah. you know, I can see it having an effect on you as we're talking and I'm tearing up. It's just yeah. horrifying. Yeah. More than one thing can be true at the same time. Um, so, well, uh, you know, he was a basketball legend and that he had a great impact on a lot of people. And he also was charged for this uh, rape and um, actually had apologized. It, it's the, the, the closest thing to an apology that I had heard from someone who was such celebrity um, that had, 
you know, recognized that he had done, done something wrong, you know, and I didn't really realize that until there was an article yesterday that came out that actually quoted him in what he had said. And mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that was, uh, that was accountability. And uh, now it doesn't, and there was also a lawsuit. I think he, uh, there was also a settlement of some there kind. There was, yeah. But, but, you know, and not to excuse the behavior in any way, but um, I do feel like it seemed like he was a man who acknowledged that uh, he saw he had done something wrong. And I just want to hold the survivor's pain in this moment too, right? Yes. Because it must be a tremendous, tremendous post-traumatic experience for her, I would think. Right? Yeah. And, he's, mm -hmm. and he's lifted up as this hero and she's experienced this pain, no matter what the amount of money and no matter what the apology is, the pain is still there. It is something that as I look at men and our behaviors, and even as I mentioned, the post Me Too um, experience that men are going through is that we finally have to look at how we're impacting other people. Like male privilege and entitlement is being challenged in ways that it never has before. And that brings hope to me, you know, and I think that we can continue. I'm hoping that we're going to continue to move this conversation and certainly a call to men will. I mean, this is our mission. We find that when men know better, they do better. They want to be good men. Yes. The issue is really, and this is why we have the conversations with men, that it's important that men are being called out and that men have been called out, but it's really just as important for us to be intentional about calling men in. Because that's where the healing happens. That's where men behave differently. That's where we start confronting other men. That's where we learn that, oh, women aren't here just to serve me, right? And that it's never an indictment of manhood, but always an invitation to men. So we need to meet men where they are. And that's really what I want to let the male audience who might be listening uh, is that this is not an indictment on manhood, but it's an invitation to men for us to be better and different, myself included. I've been doing this work for over 25 years, and I'm still learning things about my own socialization. I can imagine many women in our listening audience are saying, here, honey, listen to this episode. So hopefully we are getting the word out to more men that there's an avenue, there's resources, because I absolutely believe with you, Ted, that men want to be good men. Want to be good men and want to know how to be good men. The problem is we think we are. And, right. no one's, and no one's challenged that, but, but th those, thoughts, those thoughts are based on men's experiences, not women. Because if we listen to women's experiences or people of color or the LGBTQ transgender non-conforming uh, individuals in our life community and workplace, they'll let us know that, oh, no, you have some work to do because this is how you <laughs> impact me. You mm -hmm. know, I think that there are some boys I, I know some teenage boys for sure, because I've heard this said in my house, by, both by my children and, and friends, and some men who sort of feel like, hey, you changed the goalpost. Like, yeah. we thought we knew what to do to be a good man. Yeah. And now you're changing the rules on us, and we're kind of pissed off because it's easier to be pissed off than, you know, dig yeah. into it. What can we all do to help support each other through this transition. Our communal yeah. expectations are changing. That's a great point. And isn't it interesting that men and boys feel like we've changed the goalposts? Doesn't that speak to our privilege? 
right? Yeah. Because guess what? We didn't put up the goalposts. I'm talking about women, members of the LGBTQ, transgender, non-conforming people of color. It was men who put up the goalposts. So now that we, have, now that others have a say in the goalposts being Little changed, <laughs> right? yeah. it's like, well, wait a minute, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Who changed the rules? Well, society changed the rules, fortunately. Now, the good news for men and boys is that, yeah, you know, it's a little uncomfortable at times. And we got to really say, oh, boy, you know, I thought I was this guy doing the right thing. And excuse me, maybe I am part of the problem because of my silence. Domestic violence, sexual assault toward women and girls is the leading cause of, is, a, is a leading cause of injury to women and girls. And most of that is done by men. Most men don't do it, but we're silent about those that do. And that's as much of the problem as the violence and abuse is. The sexist joke at the water cooler, or, or I guess it would be at the Keurig now, right? <laughs> in the workplace, the sexist joke at the Keurig has to be challenged. And if we challenge it as men, the guy's not going to say another joke. Yeah. You know? right. He's not going to do it. He's going to be like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, that didn't go over well, right? If a woman is walking down the hallway and one man sees another and looks at the woman and nods, and I don't nod back, or I shake my head with disapproval, he's not going to do that again. And he's learning lessons. We're re-socializing men, right? So it's really an exciting time for men. It's also not only a time to reflect, but to reset, right? Where I can now say to my buddy, hey, we don't do that anymore. Where have you been? Aren't you watching TV? Come on. You know, we're mm -hmm. different men now, right? And that the liberation of men is directly tied to the liberation of women. So we have a lot to gain from it because it then allows me to be my authentic self. You know, there's a lot of things that hold us back with our own collective socialization of manhood that I can't do. One of the things is ask for help, mm -hmm. right? Go to the doctor when, when to prevent something as opposed to intervening when something has gone so far wrong because I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to go to the doctor. I'm not supposed to show vulnerability. Depression and anxiety of men is at a high level and we don't get help for that. Suicide mm -hmm. of men is like four times greater than women. And suicide with young boys, um, excuse me, with males, teens, tweens, is much higher than with girls. Yep. So this man box is not only killing women and girls and those who don't conform to gender at all, but it's killing men and boys as well. So there's something really wrong. It isn't us giving something up. It's actually us gaining something. I love that. Yeah. You have created all of these wonderful resources and curriculum. Where can people find them? If we have educators listening, coaches, parents may want to share this with their children's schools. We're, we're on social media at A Call to Men, and even more is on the website, acalltomen.org. And what you'll find there, a couple of things I'd like, love for the parents to pay attention to. And if there's uh, men listening or if there's women who want to share something from this podcast, that is um, uh, that kind of summarizes the importance of the conversation is um, the co-founder, Tony Porter. He's, he and I founded the organization together 18 years ago. You know, it was his Ted talk where I first learned oh. about the man box and oh, I have shared that go. time and time and time again. Okay. We'll put a link in our show notes, everybody. Thank you. Well, that's what I would, that's great. I'd ask to share that with folks because it's about 11 minutes long and it really covers everything that is the most important pieces of this in a short amount of time. And we want to give something men quick and to the point, you know, it's, you know, I like the headlines of the newspaper. I don't need to read every story. Right, right. <laughs> Just give right. me the facts, yeah. not the details. Yeah. Except the ones I write. <laughs> right. And one of the ones I really want to point out to parents is called What I've Learned Since My Son Came Out. 
And it really speaks to, as a man, as ready and as aware as I thought I was yeah. for my son to come out. Because I, his, his mom and I uh, expected him to be gay very early on. And I use the word expected with love and not suspected. I mean, we were waiting to embrace him to come into his own, you know? Yeah. So we sell it. We were, it was a celebration when he finally went through his phase of questioning into accepting who he is. But even with that, as aware and ready as I thought I was, there were things that came up for me that brought challenges to me. And there's also 10 things dad should know at the end of that around having a child who is, does not conform to the binary or gender nonconforming in some way, which really speaks to you know, their own autonomy that let them come out by themselves mm -hmm. you know don't overdo the celebration like you know pump the brakes like cool. there's there's really a lot of things there how right. to also support them the best you can you know and to accept that they you know i have kids who are athletes my youngest son is the youngest and he dances sings and acts Nice. Right. We've covered that. Talk about man box influence that tells our boys. We did a whole podcast. Right. Boys can't dance. Yes, yep. they can. Yes, they can. And let me tell you something. My son, who's a basketball player, lacrosse player, my oldest boy, when he goes to his younger brother's events and sees him dance, I say, you think your basketball team can do that? He said, no, dad. We, we <laughs> wouldn't be able to do that. Six hours, six hours every right. day of rehearsal. He said, no, we wouldn't be able to do that. I said, you know, I said, you're damn right you would. You know, I love the vulnerability that you expressed talking about that piece and writing that piece, what you learned, because we've talked about it here in the podcast before, Janet. Parenting is the world's greatest self-improvement project, mm -hmm. if you allow it to be. Parenting will show you exactly that you're not as far along as you thought yeah. you were in some areas, yeah. that you still yeah. have some work to do. It will, it will bring whatever weaknesses or outdated beliefs you have and just slap them right back in your face. And we have a choice. We can push that away or we can wrestle with it and grow alongside our children. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. And it, it, it does teach us a lot. I'm learning now about letting go. You know, I don't have to, the, the youngest is 17, almost 18, and I don't have to cut his food for him anymore, you know? I hey, hey. <laughs> Even though sometimes you want to. <laughs> no, right. 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 time's <laughs> Uh, so also on the website of calledthemen.org, the curriculum is available. It's free. Free, right? people. Yes. That is such an yeah. easy sell for your cash-strapped yeah. schools. It is it's free. free. Yes, it's free. And, so, and, and also, it's a, uh, the lesson plan, the curriculum, and also uh, a coach's guide. And we use the word coach. It could be a parent, a teacher. We just use the word coach because it's a, it's a more intimate, more of a connected we, we just felt coach was more of what we want to do, encouragement. So it's all free. And then there's also a webinar. It's about two and a half hours that goes through the lesson plan, takes you through the lesson plan. And uh, I narrate it. And that was also done with Scholastic. Then you can print out uh, like a certification at the end. And then you can use it to implement. And wow. we can bring it to people's schools. You know, we, one of the ways we raise money is by a fee for service. So we can come into a school and train the teachers to then implement the curriculum. Mm -hmm. We do that quite a bit. There is a cost to that. But if you want to learn it on your own, it's certainly free and online at acalltomen.org. Wow. What a valuable resource. Thank you. I hope there's some people out there called to action to, to take this and bring it to their schools. Absolutely. And also, if you sign up for our mailing list online and go to info at a call to men .org, you can also 
people can send an email to us and, and, and I'll be sure to get that as well. Info nice. at a call to men.org. Like you, Janet and I are both really excited for the future. You know, we have these conversations on a weekly basis. We are talking to parents and teachers. Things are changing. It's going to take time and we all still need to stay involved, but there is a better future ahead for our boys, for our men, girls, women, gender non-conforming people. We are working towards a safer, more respectful future for all of us. Amen. Thanks for being with us, Ted. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.